Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 72. This episode is sponsored by Rises of the Youpreneur, the definitive guide to becoming the go-to leader in your industry and building a future-proof business. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. And we have got an awesome guest this week again. We have got Doug Sandler. Now, Doug has over 30 years of business experience as an entrepreneur, business owner, and leader. His book, Nice Guys Finish First, I love that title because we're going to speak about that in itself, is a number one ranked Amazon bestseller. He specializes in making connections, building relationships, and strengthening bonds both inside and outside organizations. Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on, on your show. And uh, you uh, you read that intro as well as my mom had written it. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we finally got there after a couple of uh, marbles in the mouth. So okay. before we get dive into this interview, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Doug, and, and how you got to this point today? Sure, sure. Well, thanks again for having me on the show, Jeff. Uh, I was a guy that did not know much about the new media space a handful of years ago, new media being uh, podcasting, blogging, social media, the internet. I mean, that really was not how I got most of my business. I spent 30 years as a as a mobile DJ, a guy that takes his equipment out to different parties and sets it up and, and, uh, and runs dance floors and has a great time at these events. And at 47 years old, after doing this for almost 30, I think just about 30 years, my, uh, my my financial planner said to me, just be on the lookout for what's the next thing in your life. And that thing in my life came again about six years ago. I uh, saw the speaker speaking at a conference and thought, hey, I could do that too. I could be that guy up on stage. I approached him, told, asked him all about his career. He told me, hire a speaking coach, hire a book writing coach, do these different things. And uh, I was just silly enough to follow his uh, his success uh, formula for, for getting there up on stage. And again, six years ago, as I started this reinvention journey at 47, and now that I'm uh, 53, have really been enjoying not only the um, the speaking world, uh, but came out with a book that did really well on Amazon and is continuing to do well and um, and a podcast that we're now almost 600 episodes in and uh, have seemed to have gotten some great accolades from uh, Inc. and Entrepreneur and different magazines. And so we're we're loving, loving, loving this new media space that we're in today. Wow. 600 episodes. That's 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 amazing. I mean, I know how ch- it's amazing how challenging the podcast is, but yet how enjoyable it is as well. Yeah, I love podcasting, and and you probably have experienced this too. Even even doing less than a hundred episodes, you've seen your network uh, grow as a as a result of doing all of these amazing interviews, and that is really where most of my business comes from. Is uh, are the is the network that I have built through my podcasting space, not necessarily just my speaking world, but through my podcasting world. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really it's a really interesting format as well. So. What we're going to talk about today is is really using that that platform as a way to to help get your name out, get your brand awareness, and all of those sort of things. What what brought you down that route to start a podcast? Well, you know, I I kept hearing different ways to try to market your services. Now, at the time, I had just started professional speaking and joined uh, National Speakers Association, or had gone to uh, some of the uh, some of the meetings before joining. 
uh, I had written a book and the book was doing well. Uh, I'd been, I'd launched my, my, uh, my brand on social media and that seemed to be, uh, you know, anchoring and doing well, but I really didn't have like a way to, to promote it. So I said to a friend of mine who I'd been friends with for 20 years, I said, Hey, let's, um, I hear this podcasting space is pretty cool. I, I don't really know much about podcasting, but, uh, why not let's start a podcast? Mm. And he said, Hey, this is great, Doug. Uh, I just have one question. I said, I said, what? He said, what's a podcast? <laughs> and so, and so we started investigating it and trying to figure out all of the, the back end stuff, the technical stuff. And, and that really was the beginning of, um, it was just a, a roll of the dice. What do we do in order to promote, uh, the book and my speaking services? And we thought podcasting was a, was a good fit, especially in this new media space that we're in. Yeah, and it's 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 an interesting one because when you when you start off on this road, you get told so many different things. You know, we were talking before we hit the the record button about you know being told that you should be blogging every single day or or, or you know or spend eight hours on Twitter and forget about your business or whatever it is that you get told these days. Yeah, yeah. And it can be it can be such an uh, an overwhelming experience, especially for for sort of people in in the entrepreneurial space or the or starting off on business about what do they pick and how do they how do they set on that route? And it's certainly been my route, was similar to yours when we were talking. Is I hate blogging because I'm not a great writer, but I love having conversations. Yeah, I'm with you. There's a lot of um, exchange when you're when you're podcasting as opposed to blogging. It feels like blogging is more like broadcasting and sharing your message. And I, you know, I would uh, I would blog once a week. I wouldn't I couldn't do it for for every day. It just was not in my it was not in my wheelhouse to be able to do that. And social media, like you said, eight hours a day, I bet for two years, I bet I did spend five or six hours a day just hammering away on social media, thinking that this is the marketing plan for me. And I did enjoy it. I mean, I did like the interaction. I think that if you just broadcast on social media, you're going to fall short. If you exchange and engage on social media, I think that's the key. But for me, the the um, the blogging world, I would dread. My blogs came out on Tuesday morning at at, uh, at eight a.m. I would dread uh, Monday night because mm. most of the time Monday would come and that blog wasn't written, and I'm like, I am not able to go to sleep until I finish this blog that's going to post tomorrow at eight a.m. So yeah. I spent years, probably, I think three, almost four years blogging weekly, again, building a really nice uh, uh, readership, mm. but not really loving what I was doing. So uh, I can completely relate to what you were going through. So when you when you start this, and, and you know, if you're looking at supporting people in using the new, if you want the new media platforms to, to make their brand more noticeable because i think it's that thing isn't it where everyone's doing a certain thing and it's very hard to lift your head off that parapet and be heard with all the noise but to do something like a podcast gives you that opportunity to, for people to pay attention yeah and i think the next step beyond the pay attention was was the engagement we yeah. started to build a community not just on social media uh but directly we, cre we created a mastermind group that was like the launch of our our really hardcore fans we had a dozen or so hardcore fans that would do anything that we wanted them to do so we we got them all together and we said what do we need in order to make this show really really boom and what's interesting about it jeff is that we went from our first we've been blogging i mean we've been podcasting for uh, a little over three years last mm. a couple of weeks ago we celebrated our our um, 550 some odd episode in <clears throat> in three years in the podcasting space 
<clears throat> excuse me. And um, what we found was the first 16 or 17 months, we had built a um, a download count of about 20,000. And while we thought that that was good over 16 months, we felt like there was so much more. Uh, we really focused then on doing everything that our listeners had said and our guests had said. And from month 16 to month 36, we went from 20,000 downloads to 1.5 million downloads. Wow. And so, and so for us, it was really just a matter of very much focusing on what the needs were of the community that we had built, even that small community. Mm. You don't have to have a community of thousands community of a dozen or 20 or 30 people will tell you exactly what they need and what they want to buy from you. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting thing is because again, people can get lost in the pursuit of the audience size. And in some ways, the audience size and they're driving towards that rather than the message that they want to try and portray within their show. Well, I always tell everybody, try taking a download to your bank and cashing it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, it, yeah. do, it doesn't happen, but you can cash a check. And when people are spending money with you, that's the true test of whether if, if, if the idea behind coming up with a podcast or blogging, if it's monetization, mm. uh, you can't count a click, you can't count a share, a mm. like, uh, you know, a, a follower, but you can cash a, uh, a, a check. And yeah. so that was our, for us, our, our measure of success was the amount of money that we were making from our show. Yeah. So for, for you, when you first started this, um, sh you want your show up on the podcasting journey, you were very clear in having it as a marketing vehicle. Absolutely. That was the sole intent of our show was to create a marketing vehicle. Now, we if as a marketing vehicle, though, I would tell you that for 16 or 17 months, while we may have looked at that as failure, meaning we did not we were not able to monetize that we made zero dollars 17 months into this, we had made no money. Mm. And we were thinking that this was has been a massive failure. What we failed to realize was that we were building up the momentum that we needed to carry us through the next two years that were going to be the the money years and for the and for the last year and a half or so we've uh, we've turned the the bank account faucet on and and money is coming in in a nice way and it, it seems to be growing every month now right okay so can we can we dive into this monetization a little bit more because there's a few there's a few of the audience and that will speak to me about you know, I feel like I'm wasting time doing it because I'm not making any money yet. And, you know, you've talked about seven, 16 months over over a year before it started to do that. I think quite often is some people get so wrapped around the needing to make money, they forget about the actual work that's involved in developing it. And so can we have a, a sort of look into is how people can effectively monetize their podcasts? Sure. That's a, that's a great question. And this is probably one of the questions that we get asked most often when we are speaking about just the tool. How do you use mm -hmm. podcasting as a tool? Now, this is only going to work for those that have actually a product or a service to sell. This is not yeah. work if you just want to try to cash in on advertising space, because okay. you know as well as I do that most podcasters make their money and probably want five ways, advertising, sponsorship, affiliate links that they have, a call to action by providing their services to their audience, which relies upon the behavior of the audience to, to take action and email the, the host to say, hey, I'm interested, or, um, or through donations. So those five ways are the traditional sense. And that's what I'd say over 90% of podcasters use. Mm -hmm. And what we did was after 17 months of that and failing at that, what we said was, 
Let's focus on a different source. Let's focus on selling the services that we provide, whether it's speaking, training, consulting, podcasting, whatever it is that we provide. I want to provide those services, not to my audience, but to my guest. So, uh, okay. so, so I turned the, I, I did a 180 degree turn, shifted what we where our focus was and started focusing on only bringing on qualified people onto my show that have a great message that are influencers in my space and that can feed my bank account. Mm-hmm. If they can't, if they don't qualify for all three of those, I don't want them on my show. And when I did that, mm-hmm. I discovered that those people, we were expanding their message. They were sharing our message and their message with their audience as well, building our audience. And at the tail end of it, a small percentage of them said, we want to buy the services that you have. Now, Doug, those things are professional speaking, consulting, online training, book sales. And then we started to discover other podcasters wanted to do it too. And we started teaching other podcasters how to monetize their, their, uh, their services as well. So mm-hmm. for us, it became very quickly a six figure business. And now I'm not, I'm not meaning six figures in a year, six figures in a month. Yeah. So when we turned when we turned the switch and we looked at the, the the challenges that we were having, we just said, there's got to be a different way. And that's when we really started to make an impact with our business. Yeah, that's amazing. And and there's so many different things to take from that. Is is that willingness to constantly reflect and look at the direction things are going rather than just being carried by the momentum of doing the stuff? Because, you, you know, that, that, that challenge that so many people doing is I'm doing it because I, I, it's going to work without really stopping and thinking, how can we actually make it work? Well, yeah, the, and, and you're and you're 90% there. So what I would say is if you're looking and you're going and you're moving fast and you're thinking, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm getting there quickly, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't take the pulse of the people that are in your community to find out, is this what they want? Uh, Joe Polizzi wrote a great book called, um, I think it's called Content Inc. or Content Marketing Inc., something like that. Joe Polizzi is his name. He was a guest on our show, and I encourage you to try to find him as a guest for your show. But he said, if you build a community, they will tell you what they want from you. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you did your podcast, did you have a community built already or in the sense of, are we talking about a membership community or are you just talking about the audience community? Yeah, we had no, we had no membership. This was just all through social media, one-on-one connections and, um, and people that we, we knew through, through friends of friends that were listening to the show were like, Hey, what do you want from us? What do you think would be good? They told us what they wanted. Um, and we responded. And then what we found out was that when we started moving that message and that approach to the guests that came on the show, we were hitting a home run. We were asking them what they wanted. What did they want from our show? What did, how did they want us to be? A, they wanted social media help with their with the uh, with the episode. We found that when we really promoted specifically targeted promoted uh, a guest that came on our show and helped them build their business through our, through the content that we created as having them on, as a guest on our show, mm-hmm. they saw that we. We added value other than just spreading their message to our community. We helped them more so with their community than our community, which they loved. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's amazing. So when you're when you're doing this and you're and you're looking at, you know, you you you've looked at your your model and went, okay, we need to change this 180 and this is how we're gonna do it. 
you've noticed that your audience is going up on continually going up on that is do you then just did you drop all the other sort of monetizing ways from the sponsoring and everything else do you do you just focus on that one way now yep exactly right. okay exactly so uh, my feeling was that if we were going to focus on on advertising let's say and cost per thousand and all that we were going to look at let's say the traditional or let's say a show that is really up and moving really well right now uh, in the uh, in the podcasting space they probably get anywhere between two to five thousand downloads per episode let's yep. just use that as our as our number that's uh-huh. that's about average for a, a really good quality show uh-huh. two to five thousand downloads per show. You, the traditional advertising method is going to have you making somewhere in the area of about twenty dollars per thousand downloads if yeah. you're if you're looking to buy advertising space. Yeah, uh, that means if you have five thousand downloads per show, which is the high end of that range I gave you, and you're making twenty dollars per thousand, one advertiser is going to pay you a hundred dollars per show. Multiply that times four episodes, which the average podcaster does in the course of a month. So you're making a hundred dollars an episode. per month, $4,800 a year through advertising if you have one sponsor. And if you have three sponsors, triple that. So you're making $15,000 a year US if you're, if you're, uh, if you're moving pretty good speed. Now, you tell me, Jeff, who can support themselves at $15,000 a year? Yeah. Nobody. No, absolutely. I'd much rather look at it and say every time, because the services that we provide, we charge anywhere between five thousand to twenty thousand dollars to do what we do, depending on what services that we're selling our client. Every week we have five episodes now because we use this as our sole business development tool. If we close three to five deals every month, I'm making between fifteen to fifty thousand dollars every month from my show, just with my one show. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. we have we have three shows that we have now. So I look at that and say, I'd, I'd, I'd try to create eight or 10 or 12 shows. This is So for me, this is the sole way that I develop business. And we've created this entire system mm. of our guest management tool just because we know that this is by far the best way to develop leads. Yeah, and it's, it's one of the, the things I love is, is when, when you're speaking to people, and one of the huge benefits of a podcast format is, is when you're speaking to people and they go, oh, yeah, okay, I've got a show. If you want to know actually what I do, Generally, I think I was taught is do your pillar, do your pillar episodes. So the first sort of four episodes are about the ethos, the values, or whatever as the thing of of what I do. And actually, when people listen to that, there that conversation is already enrolling them. So it's absolutely, you know, it's that power of is sometimes you actually don't need to do the talking because you've already done it on an episode, so they get to know what it's all about they don't there's an awful lot of those almost like faqs that have already been answered through people listening to your show well and the beauty is and i i 100 agree with you and take it even beyond that if you say to somebody i would love to have you on my show and now again people are pre-qualifying we we have this application that's out on social media right now and through different now publicists have it and 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 um guest placement services have it People, when they are applying for our show, and we get anywhere between 20 to 50 applications every week to be on our three shows, when we, um, when we get an application, people really feel like they're applying to be a guest on our show. Ultimately, though, what they're qualifying for is we're determining whether they're qualified to be a client of ours. Now, yes. Im- imagine having a, uh, a, uh, an endless funnel of qualified leads for people that are not only wanting to be a guest on your show, but want to buy the stuff that you're selling. 
Yeah. So we we can't think of a better way to do it rather than no. in, at this current time than what we're doing right now. No, absolutely, and 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 and, and it's working. So you know, so that ultimately the result is in. <laughs> right. If it's working, don't don't change it. So it's, well, and the and the other thing that we found, Jeff, is that it's not only working for us, but because we've started a business in podcast monetization and podcast mm-hmm. production, we know that it's not just working because we're good at it. It's yes. working that our clients. It's working for them as well. If you're an entrepreneur wanting to build a long-term, highly profitable business, then we invite you to pick up a copy of the new book, Rise of the Youpreneur, from best-selling author Chris Ducker. It's the definitive guide to becoming the go-to leader in your industry while building, marketing, and monetizing a future-proof business, catapulting you to expert status in your market and setting you up for entrepreneurial success for years to come. You can pick up your copy of Rise of the Youpreneur by visiting youpreneur.com forward stroke book or simply searching for it on any Amazon website. We're going to go to the second part of the show where I get a chance, Doug, to put you on the hot seat and ask you a set of questions. Are you ready? I am. I'm I'm a little afraid, but I'm ready. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. So question number one is how much time a week do you spend on self-development? Wow, gosh, it's probably endless cycle of self-development. But if I had to look specifically at um, at self-development uh, courses, training, learning, I would probably say between reading, blogging, uh, surfing, I probably spend three to five hours a week on that. Fantastic. Excellent. The question number two is what is your favorite personal development book and why? Oh, wow. This is a good one. Um, I love um, Who Moved My Cheese by Dr. Spencer Johnson. Spencer Johnson wrote a book called Who Moved My Cheese, and it's about uh, – it's a parable. I, I, I need small, short books because my, my attention span is not really long, and it, um, it teaches you about the value of, uh, of embracing change as a part of your everyday life. Yeah, and it's an incredibly small book. I mean, the writing is something that you learned when you were five at school. It's an incredible yep. book. And, I, I I agree. That's why I love it. It's easy to read. Yeah, but it 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 kind of like flips how people think books should be written on its head. Yeah, I um my next book if I if I ever get the uh, the uh, the, um, the the time or put the inclination into writing it, I definitely want to write a a small parable, a story of yeah. of uh, uh, it, it has some good lessons to oh, learn. Brilliant. Okay, what animal would you choose? <laughs> uh, geez i don't know uh, i i don't know that's a really good question i don't know <laughs> okay question number three is what's your favorite app Ooh, okay what is my favorite app um i use an app that is on my phone i use it every day and it is called the insight timer and uh, I have um, in the last couple of years, actually the last three years now, I've embraced meditation, not as a, because I'm a woo woo kind of guy, but mm-hmm. because I need to be centered. I need to get myself back to a good spot every day and, and just understand that if I live in the present moment, sometimes things uh, have a way of working themselves out. The insight timer is a is a self timer that just helps you keep your meditation going and just 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening before bed. Uh, it sets me in a in a really good place. So insight timer. Yeah, it's a really good one because it doesn't. It it's not overly complicated. Yep, true, very you true. Know, so it keeps every it keeps it. It keep, you can focus on what you need to do rather than all of the some bells and whistles that some of the other apps have got. Agreed, boy. It sounds like you you know this one as well. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I am. Um, that's the one I use. Um, so <laughs> that's funny. Uh, like-minded people is always a good sign, there, Doug. 
Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Question number four. What's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? Well, okay. So um, I would probably say early on, uh, I spent way too much time uh, in my career trying to please others, whether it was a boss or um, somebody that was a supervisor or a manager. And I find that if you say yes too often, you're going to end up pleasing too many people too often and everybody's going to dump their projects on you. So what I would say is learn to be a a good sayer, polite sayer of the word no. Uh, Also learn to delegate responsibility properly. Um, and also learn to do the things that are within your zone of genius rather than seeking every responsibility, be the master of all traits. The, I mean, be the, um, the jack of all traits, be the master of none. And I, and I, and I choose now to be, you know, the, uh, the master of one or two specific responsibilities in my life and, and leave it to my team to do the rest. Yeah, it's good, it's good advice, that one, because no is an amazing word to learn. <laughs> yeah, too, totally. You know, is. I, I think so many people are frightened of saying no, and people can take advantage of people that don't say no. But Agreed. it's but it's that, that it's such a powerful word to say no, so you can be more in control of what you do. Okay, question number five is: What are your challenges in harmonizing work and life, and how do you manage them? Uh, well, I, uh, I work about 13 feet from where I sleep. Uh, my, uh, my guest room at my home, uh, everybody on our team and we have six of us, we are all, uh, we all operate remotely. So we all are working from our homes or, or, or other, or co-working space, wherever we are. Mm-hmm. So the biggest challenge that I have, uh, every day is just learning when to turn off the computer, shut down the office, even temporarily and, uh, and move on, um, I'm uh, I'm married. I have two kids, uh, and um, I like to be able to spend time as much as I can with my uh, with my wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, the challenge is that we are both self employed. So I would say that um, because we're both entrepreneurs at heart, we we tend to not want to put down that work, even though you really need to in order to find some balance in your life. Yeah, it's it it, it is a challenge working at home. I'm currently um, housebound only because my wife has had an operation recently. So okay. um, I'm I'm so glad I haven't given her a bell. Because honestly, <laughs> I would be going stir crazy right now. But um, she would use it. Yeah, she would use it. Yeah. Well, now she just uses FaceTime. Who you know? I, I tried to put my office to the further side of the house so I can't hear the bell. But now we actually have FaceTime where she can just send me a message to say she wants a cup of tea or something. So Perfect. they are the challenges of working at home. That's um, exactly what. That's exactly what you need is a bell now. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. With, with with but remove the thing from the middle. So it just it just doesn't work. <laughs> right, right. Question number six. What advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Uh, patience is, uh, is extremely important. There is no overnight success. So patience is important and, um, and it's okay to fail, you know, do the things that you're fearful of because you'll know you're in a good spot when you, uh, when you actually, when you get that little, that little, oh my gosh, is this going to work? Especially as an entrepreneur, you're in the right place. If you get complacent and you feel comfortable, you're not in the good zone, especially as an entrepreneur. So feel free to, uh, to fail often, but stay on your feet and just keep moving forward. Love that one. That's brilliant. Okay, question number seven is, what is your definition of success? 
Oh, being able to do what I want, when I want, and with whomever I want, not being choosy of the clients that I pick, be able to pick the clients that um, that I that I want to work with because I like them, not because I need their money. Love that it. to me is ultimately the definition of success. Yeah, cool. Brilliant. Okay, question number eight. Do you have any type of morning routine that helps you get prepped for the day ahead? Um, well, again, I go back to that insight timer. Mm. I, if I don't, if I don't center myself and don't put myself in a position where I've had 10 minutes of meditation, uh, that usually accomplishes getting my head in the right spot. Uh, after I meditate, I, um, I go to my desk and I, and I usually will try to get crank out as many of the responses to the emails that came in, you know, over the preceding eight or 10 or 12 hours since I was at that desk. Uh, again, last. So for me, I, I really like to clear those uh, that dead wood away and then focus just on the tasks at hand, which are getting my, uh, you know, getting my business development stuff all in order, because that's really what I do as a as a the founder of my company. Yeah, brilliant. Excellent. OK. OK. So the final question is the life lesson question. So this is where you pick a number between one and 50. And the number represents a lesson that I have learned from recovering from an illness, starting my own business. We will have it as a discussion point. It's okay for you to disagree with it. It's really just to, to have some sort of topical point. We find out strategies, what we can learn from it. So pick a number between. All right, let's go with. Let's go with lucky thirteen. Lucky thirteen. Ah, experience versus bling. Okay, so basically, what that is is what I realized is there's so many. When I was younger, it was all about the things. It was all about you know the the nice car, the nice house, whatever. And when I came out from my illness, I realized that our experiences are so much more powerful because we can remember them. Bling is very short-lived. You know, you get you get a new phone within 12 hours. It's like, yeah, okay, it's another phone. But to go away with your family or to go out for a day with your kids or to see your kids walk or whatever it is, is that experience will last a lifetime. And I'm just wondering what you think of that. Well, I... I would have to agree with you. I mean, I really think that your experiences take you to your next step in life, and the uh, the bling, the cars, the houses, the the um, the jewelry, the the dinners, the vacations. I think it's important to reward yourself, but I think there's a point where reward gets to uh, gets a little bit carried away. You. Um, uh, you know, my dad said, unfortunately, as he was as he was leaving this earth to the next uh, to the next place, his final resting spot, he said, you'll never wish you spent another day in the office. And I agree with that. I think that we all have to find a little bit more balance in our life. We have to kind of put the priority on what the things that are important in our life. And I can promise you that a watch or a a car are not going to be those things that are going to make you feel better about yourself. I know plenty of rich people that are miserable and I know plenty of poor people that are that are happy. It's not an indicator of your of your happiness. If it is, then it's going to be short lived when you get it and discover that you just want more. And, you know, more is not a really good goal to have. <laughs> no, no. And it's that thing, isn't it? Where I, I mean, I think Wayne Dyer described it as the morning and then the afternoon of your life is the morning. It's all about the things. And then as you get older, maybe a little bit wiser, maybe depending on your life experiences, you start to realize that actually there's so much more. And and the truth of the matter is, is when you when you're on that deathbed, you're not going to think about I wish I'd made another hundred quid or a hundred dollars right. or whatever. It's going right. to be right. actually these are the things that I 
I wish I'd said this to so-and-so. I wish I had done this. It's, it's that, it's those things that we can remember because also the thing is, is in truth is most people can't remember really how it felt when they got their car, but they can remember how it felt when they, um, got the opportunity to play ball with the kids or they um they first took their kids swimming or something like that it's there's something deeper more richer and more rewarding through that experiential uh thing it's not to say you don't give yourself rewards because i'm a big fan of that as well but sometimes is we need to look deeper than just the materialistic things Absolutely, 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 absolutely. Well, well said, well said, Jeff. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. And it is your opportunity now to share with the listeners, the audience, is how people can find out more about you. Sure. If uh, if there's anyone in the audience in your community that uh, that is a podcaster or thinks that they would like to understand how podcasting can benefit their uh, their business uh, as a marketing tool, as a business development tool, and as a great way to develop leads, uh, feel free to to reach out to me. I'm at uh, turnkeypodcast.com or you can just email me at doug at turnkeypodcast.com. Doug, brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I've learned t- tons myself. Um, but it's, it's, I just want to have this final opportunity to wish you the greatest success. Thank you, Jeff. And, and greatest success to you and your show. I mean, you're almost at a hundred episodes now and you're doing great. You know, most podcasters last for about 10 to 15 episodes. So you've, you've passed, you've passed that curve. You're over a year old as well. So uh, congratulations and all your successes, Jeff. Thank you very much. I'm a fairly persistent sort of bloke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and, uh, and best of health to your wife. I hope she, uh, she uh, gets, uh, gets better soon. Thanks very much. Take care. This episode is sponsored by Rise of the Upreneur, the definitive guide to becoming the go-to leader in your industry and building a future-proof business. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening and it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast. And that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you'd have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.